From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. Welcome to the Frosty Podcast. I'm Derek Frost, joined as always by Coach Tony Perenni. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Podcasts and Podbean. This is our final show, Tony, for our team-by-team preview. Later on, we're going to be talking with rookie coach Charlie Thurber. But for now, Tony, are you ready to talk some XFL? I'm ready. Let's do it. Are we, are we going to be the first XFL podcast later this this winter? You know, I uh, I wanted to talk to you about that because I would like to be that. So for those of you that don't know, I am uh, I'm a WWE fan. I am a football fan. I was a original XFL fan. He hate me. I'm going to be a new XFL fan. And I'm excited to talk about him. Uh, I'm excited to get a fantasy league around him. Yeah, let's do it. I'm sure somebody's already drafting that up on Yahoo or something right now. So uh, I think we'll be ready to go. These these names, uh, some of them are really good. Some of them not so good. Definitely a departure from the old XFL. No, uh, no hit men. No extreme. But I think you got some good ones in there and some pretty good logos to go with them. Yeah, I would agree. So let's get right into it here. Uh, So the XFL uh, just released on the 21st here of August uh, the names and logos for the cities. So first one's first. The Dallas Renegades, Tony. What we have here is a cowboy. He's got a a blue hat on, uh, a blue bandana covering his face, and crimson red eyes. Uh, next, we have the Houston Roughnecks. So this is a Houston Oilers throwback, uh, throwback-esque logo uh, with an oil rig. And in that, they make the H for Houston. Those are the Houston Roughnecks. Next, we have the LA Wildcats. Uh, and LA, uh, like all the other LA teams, they make it look like one big logo. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not a fan. The L.A. Wildcats. Next, the New York Guardians. So this is a reference to the gargoyles of New York City. Um, So you have what initially I thought was kind of they were going after the shape, uh, the outline of New York, the state. But after looking more at the state of New York, I'm not really sure if exactly what they're going for here. But uh, it looks fierce. It looks like a um, a predator. A predatory cat of sorts. Looks yeah. kind of predators-ish. National yeah. predators-ish. Yeah, I think that's a good a good uh, description there. So it's gray with black and red. Next one here, we have the St. Louis Battlehawks. So we have a, looks like it's going to be white, gray, and purple, almost blue, uh, with a sword and then wings coming off, like uh, bird wings coming off the sword. Next to Seattle Dragons, uh, a, a, essentially a dragon head in the shape of an S, and I swear to God, I'm not joking, I think it's smiling. <laughs> While breathing fire. While breathing fire. It's impressive. Yeah. It is uh, impressive. Green, purple, and orange looks like they're going to be the colors. Next, an interesting one, the Tampa Bay Vipers. So what we have here is a V uh, that is green, but... In the, like if we if we made a, the V a triangle coming from the bases near the 
the empty space of the V are two yellow fangs coming down. I think it's pretty imaginative. I like it. Next, and finally, the DC Defenders. Uh, essentially, we have a shield with lightning bolts and stars with a DC on the bottom, red and white. Uh, looks like a coat of arms out of Game of Thrones or a soccer patch. So, Tony, what's, uh, what's your favorite team? Well, I've looked over this quite a bit. And just, just to add some color, like normally when we do these team preview podcasts, we do the intro segment on the same day. We waited a couple of days on this one because we needed more time to break down these logos and look into them more in depth. So uh, here we go. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, the part that irritates me here is that as a Philadelphia fan, somebody who uh, has family in Philly, has been – uh, hardwired to think like Philadelphians do. Some of my favorite logos and favorite team names are of cities that I'm, you know, hardwired to hate. <laughs> New York, Dallas, uh, DC a little bit, <laughs> um, especially New York and Dallas. I really like those two. I, I like the play on the gargoyles in New York. I like the color scheme. Um, I think they probably could have made that logo look a little more gargoyle-ish and a little less predator-ish, but it works. Um and the, the Renegades logo in Dallas with the, um, the red eyes. Uh, it, it's just it's a really well-done logo, and I like the color scheme a lot. So, unfortunately, those are probably two of my favorites. I really like the Battlehawks logo. I don't like their name. I think the name is kind of weird, uh, kind of one of those ones where you're just jamming two words together because you're not really sure. Uh, Hawks probably wasn't good enough for them, so they had to add something else in. I'm, I'm, I guess it works, but... Uh, not a big fan of the name. I, I can tell by looking your face. You are though. Oh, I'm, I love it. So, are you are you ready to pick one? No, no. I I, I came into the show thinking, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna pledge our allegiance, but I need to see those uniforms come out in a couple months first. I that's what if I pick a team that has just awful uniform? What do they come out with the Cleveland Browns version of the uniforms? Is the ones they've been marching around in for the last five years until they finally came up with these color rush ones to actually make them look good three times a year. So, um, no, I, I, have to, I have to wait and see what those final uniforms are. But I have some ideas in my head of where I could be going with that. All right. So, Tony, I the XFL, in addition to releasing these names and logos, released a, a video. Oliver Luck, commissioner, hosts it. They go to a couple reporters to unveil these teams, and they have little uh, 45-ish seconds of introducing the team name. And they have released the transcripts of those. So I'll read you yours, the two teams you like. Are you ready? Ready. Deep in the heart of Texas beats a different kind of pulse, a spirit untamed, a swagger that can't be denied. Where big meets bold meets badass. This is outlaw country inside the lines. This is hell on wheels between the hash marks. This is their home on the range. The Dallas Renegades raising hell. If that doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what does. <laughs> I'm just, just picturing these marketing departments just sitting in a room hammering these out. At least they're having a blast with this. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, it, go on YouTube and, and watch these the videos of them. I'm not doing it full justice, but they were they were entertaining. 
Uh, I'll I read you. Floating through Twitter. I, I, I didn't actually click on any of them because I was at work. I didn't have time to actually uh, listen to any of them and see what was going on in the videos. But I do need to go back and look at some of them because they uh, just just watching them scroll through without any sound on. They did look like they're pretty impressively put together. Yeah, they're they're definitely they're definitely good. Uh, New York Guardians next here, Tony. Bring it. Centuries carved of stone. Watchdogs over the metropolis. A prehistoric predator. A beast evolves, turned loose on a new kind of jungle. All teeth and talons, eyes unblinking. They know fear because they feed off of it. They are your first line of defense, and there is no need for a second. The New York Guardians, on duty. It kills me that I'm leaning New York with my allegiance, and that uh, I feel like I'll get struck down immediately if I say that. <laughs> but that... Really, really cool logo, really cool name. Um, and that was a pretty cool uh, sound bite from the video there that you're going over. So um, uh, hurts, hurts me to say I might be leaning that way. Where are you at with these? Well, you know, Tony, I was I was between two myself and we share one. And that is the Dallas Renegades. I think the logo is great. Uh, I think, you know, so what I look for in a logo is that. On its own, it strikes a little bit of fear. Uh, and a smiling dragon doesn't do that for me. It looks like a, like a kid's cartoon. The Dallas Renegades logo does that for me. It looks fierce. Something you should run away from, right? Yeah, it looks menacing with those red eyes. But I got to tell you, Tony, I'm, I'm a fan of the St. Louis Battlehawks. I, on the like, unlike you... Enjoy when you squish two words together that both mean <laughs> danger, makes it doubly dangerous. Anybody can come up with a dragon. Anybody can come up with a viper. It's come up with something new. Battlehawk. <laughs> Honestly, it reminds me of the Cedar Point ride Skyhawk, which is one of my favorites. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't consider the Skyhawk factor. Um, but... I, I like I like the way they have some consistency with the color scheme and with um, kind of the touches in the logo to the blues a little bit and to also the colors from the Rams. I like that. Um, I'm just not a fan of the, the name. I, I feel like there's a plenty of different things in St. Louis that they could have paid homage to and um, named the team after, but this logo definitely works. This color scheme definitely works. I'm with you on that. Most of the uh, rankings that I look through and, and every publication out there put out their rankings of the best low, best and worst logos and team names that came out. Almost everybody had Battlehawks extremely high. And that was one of the few consistencies because outside of that, it was just, it came down to who you were talking to. And they would have everybody scattered in there. Somebody might have the Renegades dead last or somebody might have them up around two. It just look, comes down to what you look for in a logo. So, um I'm I'm with you. Very cool logo there. I have questions around the name, and that's probably what's keeping me from uh, adding them in there to my top two. Yeah, and it was kind of cool. Uh, the The intro video showed a lot of obviously Hawks, and then a lot of the military planes and stuff. And there is an Air Force base in in and around St. Louis, um, so I don't know if they're going for that. You know, it's kind of interesting because in the in the video, Oliver Luck makes a point to 
say that these names aren't necessarily in reference to anything. They're looking for fun and football and they kind of almost pull away from what the, the significant significance of these names are. That was kind of my first thought when I heard the name is that maybe it was a, a play, a play on words with an air air force base or something like that, that they would have there in the area. So that would make sense a little bit. Um, some of some of these other logos, I, I think the Tampa Bay Vipers is a, a subtly good one with the V and the fangs inside. I think there's a lot of good things you could do with those lo- with those uh, uniforms when they come out. Um, I like when teams come out with uniforms that are different than um, most other ones you see out there. And you don't see a lot of teams with green uniforms out there. So I think there's some good things they could do with those. Um, are we ready to discuss what the worst ones are? I, no, I'm feeling... I haven't read my Battlehawks thing yet. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I almost steal your thunder. Steal my thunder. You ready? Ready. Winged warriors preparing for flight, preparing to fight. They await their orders, then attack as one, diving, dodging, swooping, striking. Their mission, create chaos. Their mandate, win at all costs. The St. Louis Battlehawks, cleared to engage. The clear to really... engage part is when I, I became a fan. <laughs> that was it. Sold you. All I needed. I, that's a really good one, too. I, uh, I started laughing a little bit when I heard the diving, dodging part, though, because immediately I got thrown the dodgeball in my head. And, <laughs> uh, dodge, dip, dive, duck, and dodge. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to stay serious once I heard that part, but I had to lock back in for the rest of it. <laughs> All right, Tony, now I'm ready. Who's the worst? I have a feeling we're going to agree on this one. L.A. Wildcats. God, they're both, awful. Both in logo and in name. Like, you name your team the Wildcats, I just assume you couldn't think of anything at all. It's like it's like naming your basketball team the Thunder. Like, a million things in Oklahoma City you could name that team after you name them the Thunder. Like, a generic word like that. And that's what, that's what this Wildcats feels like to me, too. And the logo isn't any better. The color scheme was red and orange. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's... They kind of like twist the A up a little bit, like it's supposed to be like the ear of a cat, maybe. I'm, maybe I'm I'm stretching. I'm I'm really reaching on this one to try and figure out what they were going for. They, you're right. They definitely went for at putting the two letters together, kind of like the Clippers do. Um, but yes, yeah, this, this is a dud, big time dud. It's like they spent they spent all this time on these other you know on, on these other logos and names, and they spent no time on the LA one. Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm kind of between honestly, I'm between three here. Uh the LA Wildcats one, I absolutely agree with you. Wildcats is, is a dumb name. Uh every like I don't know how many high schools and college teams are some wildcat kind of idea there. Uh it's been done, it's been used. And then even if you take the Wildcat name, I think there's so much you can do with a logo, and all you do is the LA. I think it's dumb. But I won't take the one you took. I am now between the smiling Seattle dragon or, or the very lame DC defender logo. Uh, you know, the the dragon name, I don't mind. I think, you know, dragons in general spark that fear and, and, and all that. And I, I think... You know, I was a big, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. Obviously, Dragon's a main fixture of that. 
So, you know, I don't doubt that they that was part of it that they grabbed on to to the whole dragon thing. And they made dragons just badass in that show. And then you come here and it looks like Puff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> so yeah, and then yeah. this this DC Defenders logo is just like everything you could have done with being in DC and it's lightning bolts and stars. And not even cool ones, just like on a shield looking thing. I'm just it, it honestly it looks like if you like were to create your own like video game league and you're just like, yeah, you need a, need a bunch of names like, oh, what about the defenders? Like, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, I think once they made the decision that they wanted to put it on a shield and make it like a soccer type logo, I think they lost all their good ideas at that point because there's only so much you can do with the shield, especially when you're creating one brand new. Like these soccer teams that use shields as logos have had them for years and years and years and they're iconic at this point. But you can't just create an iconic shield out of nowhere like this. And once you decide to do that, there's very limited options for what you can put on it. I don't hate the name. I think the DC Defenders works. I like the alliteration. I like they're calling themselves DC and not Washington. I think all that's cool. I think they could have done um, a lot more cool things with the logo than what they did here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's so much you could do uh, with DC with the whole idea of Defenders, but... The shield, the shield loses it for me. I don't, I don't necessarily hate the lightning bolts and stars. I, it's the shield. I think, I think you, you nailed it. I agree with you. It looks like, it looks like the, uh, one of the default logos on Madden. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've probably used that logo in my day at some point, creating a team. Just saying. Right, because you're like, yeah, I don't care about the logo. Like, I just want to play. Yeah. yeah. That's 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 what I got from DC. Is like, I, I don't really care about the logo. Let's just let's just play. Yep, yep. So you are pledging your allegiance to the St. Louis Battlehawks then? I'm pledging my allegiance to the St. Louis Battlehawks. I'm going to okay. buy a jersey the minute they come available. Okay, that's, that's risky. They, they <laughs> yeah. could be awful. Well, you know, Tony, here's the thing. I, uh, I'm i not afraid to change allegiances in like a minute. True. So true. if those unis come out and they're, they're garbage, then, <laughs> hey, you know what? Dallas Renegades, what's up? All of a sudden, this podcast episode is just wiped from the library. Like, it didn't even happen. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're redoing. I can see it now. Listen, the media writes the script. <laughs> we just You're not wrong. You're we not wrong. Like we did. Well, this whole discussion just highlights how slow the news has been in the NFL at this point. Um, you, can, you can start to see at this point that everybody, and I mean everybody, is getting frustrated with how long the preseason is. Um, and who's playing, who isn't. Everybody just wants us to end and go to the regular season at this point. You know, Cam Newton plays in a game the other night, tweaks his foot. Uh, we'll talk about that in the in our draft preview episode here in a day. But um, I don't know how much longer this four-game preseason has in it. I saw Schefter come out uh, yesterday and say that there's no way there's four preseason games next season. So – It'll be really interesting to see what happens here because you can tell owners, players, coaches, fans, everybody hates this. Nobody's interested in it. The Browns played last night. I recorded it. I haven't watched it. I I saw the stats. They mean nothing to me. Like These games literally mean nothing. Um, they got to do something about it. You know, and I go back and forth on it. Um, you know, as a fan, I I don't enjoy watching preseason 
I do enjoy going live and watching it because you can usually get tickets on the secondary market a lot cheaper than you would during the regular season. Um, so, you know, I went to the game a couple weeks ago with my dad and we were able to sit like seventh, eighth row back uh, for pretty cheap. Can't do that during the regular season. So I do enjoy that, but I don't know if we just need to change our our reaction to the preseason as fans and say, hey, these are just glorified practices or scrimmages. They're not games. And stop putting the pressure to care about them. Because I, I think that's a lot of what it is, is we as fans, it's like football's back. It's preseason. Like, we have to care. And it's like, no, you really don't. Like, this is to figure out who the third string guys are going to be. This isn't about Baker Mayfield. I mean, yeah, you, you'd prefer to see the, the the ones do well. But at the end of the day, if they don't, I mean, does it really matter? It's preseason. Like, let me know when it's game one. So, you know, I, I think because um, Harrison was on uh, with Colin or with Doug Gottlieb covering for Colin Cowherd yesterday and talking about how he really wouldn't have made a roster for the Steelers if it wasn't for all four preseason games. He didn't play until game three and four and all that. So I get for the rookies, for the young guys, for the guys trying to make the roster, you need all these games. But, you know, the tickets aren't cheaper on the primary market. Concessions aren't cheaper. Parking isn't cheaper. All of this stuff. And really, it's not like you get more access to the players or anything. You know, if you made it a game with Fan Fest and all that, I, I think you would get a lot more interest of, hey, make it a family thing, bring your kids, all that. But I think there's pressure from everybody to treat this like it's a real game and it's all, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, it's a real game. It's not, um, you know, I don't know. And it's all just the opportunity cost of what those two other games could be. And that's what the owners are going to harp on constantly. They want those games to be regular season games that are meaningful. They can collect full revenue on on the primary market and sell out all their seats. Um, so that's going to be interesting when the CBA comes up. They know what they have to do if they want to get the players to buy into that. They need to share more revenue. It's that simple. They agreed to share more revenue. They will be able to get the 18-game schedule. They would go down to two preseason games which, as you mentioned, is going to hurt the back end of the roster guys who are trying to make the team. They could use those four games to get looks at. But um, for the starters, for the guys that we're talking about, for fantasy relevance, um, none of these games matter. It's just a matter of playing fantasy football survivor, and you're just hoping these guys just make it through make it through the minefield without stepping on a landmine. Yeah, I'm with you, Tony. Next up. On the Frosty Podcast, we're going to have rookie head coach Charlie Thurber on the Frosty Hotline. He, We talked about him earlier in this podcast, Tony, not in this episode, but in a previous episode, about a blockbuster trade, which led to one of our Matt Stafford conversations. And we, uh, we're going to ask him all about his draft strategy. He has two keepers, and we didn't expect him to have any. Uh, so... We're going to see what Charlie has to say. And, uh, you know, Vince challenged him last time to a rookie of the year battle. And we'll see how Charlie responds. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Frosty Podcast. With us is one of our rookie coaches, 
We talked about him earlier in the year for pulling off a blockbuster trade, which led to one of our uh, many Matthew Stafford conversations. Uh, but Charlie uh, Thurber is going to be joining us. Not new to fantasy football, but new to this league. Welcome, Coach Charlie Thurber. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm glad to be a part. Um, league's been a blast so far. A lot of good trash talk going around. And um, excited to jump in, hit the ground running. Definitely. Now, Charlie, for those of those of us out there that don't know you that well, uh, tell us about your fantasy football resume thus far. Definitely. So, um, for the past decade, I've been in two highly competitive leagues. This will be my third. Um, the other two, um, and the, um, so they're both a little deeper. Um, One's actually two quarterback, uh, so I'm excited for this league. Um, and I was thinking about it earlier, um, just preparing for the podcast. Just it's a little bit of strategy change for me. You're talking going from 16 teams um, where you know you're building your team around two studs and just general depth. And uh, here I come joining a 10 team league, and you really got to stick your neck out there. I mean, everyone's getting a stud, so you've got to stick your neck out there and say, you know. Out of Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, and Odell Beckham, this is a guy who's going to have the best year. Um, so that'll be a nice challenge for me. I'm excited to do that and, uh, and diving into some offensive schemes and uh, strength of schedule and all that stuff. So excited to be ready to rock. Charlie, how much experience do you have with the auction format? A decent amount. A decent amount. So I've been I'm entering my eighth year in um, – kind of like my home or college league auction. Um, so love an auction format. Um, like I said, you have to be bullish on your guys. There's no um, waiting for the draft to come to you, so to speak. You know, you, you got to kind of be clear on your tiers of players, and um, that's always a fun thing to do. You know, you never want to wait too long, and you never want to spend too much too early. So you just find that right balance, and each league kind of has that dynamic. It'll be interesting to jump into this league and kind of do my best to read everyone's strategy. You know, that. So I'm sure I'm sure that you've uh, you've heard by now, but your boy Steve is in the middle of possibly creating a dynasty at this point. He's won the last two leagues. I know you have some experience going going against him in some of your other leagues. How have you fared against him in the past? Steve and I. Um, as you can imagine, we've had a long, long time rivalry. Um, he builds a great team. He really does. Um, we, we do have um, some different philosophies when it comes to players, um, which makes it fun. Um, but I'd, I'd say Steve, last year he got the best of us in our in our college league. He, I think he, he maybe had one loss in the regular season and took home the regular season points total, um, but. We took him down in the playoff. He did not come home with the trophy. So um, we can leave that hanging over his head. But, yes, um, I've, I've heard about his dynasty in this league, and uh, his keepers are just ridiculous. The prices he has those guys for, um, he's really set up for success. So it'll be fun to it'll be fun to see kind of how he pulls through in the auction. And he's been real quiet this, this, uh, this summer about who he's interested in. Usually we'll have more thorough talks about – who are we going for and this and that and the other thing. But now that I'm in this league, I mean, he's mom. So we'll, uh, it'll be fun. Keep the rivalry rolling. Speaking of that rivalry, 
We have dubbed that rivalry the Rocky Top Rumble. You, you two will be facing off in week five. And in the last week of the regular season, week 13, with potentially major playoff implications, potentially bye week implications, uh, it's going to be... It's going to be the Rocky Top Rumble. I love that. I love that. That's an incredible. Um, it's going to go down. Go down in the history books because uh, we'll be bringing it, man. It'll be it'll be good. It's Hopefully it turns out more uh, Robert Neeland and Phil Fulmer than Butch Jones and Derek Dooley. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Time will tell, I guess. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how like seven people in our league are going to get that reference. And I think it's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Love the Tennessee reference there. Well, if you can come into the league and smack Steve around a couple times a season, you're going to earn some friends in this league real quick. That's a goal, but that man, that's a, that's a tough goal. I do understand that it's a big challenge though. We'll see what happens. I'm going to try to come in quietly and, uh, you know, try to try to make some noise about starting week six. Maybe people will know my name by then, but first six weeks just stay quiet so yep. so charlie i want to ask you about this because when you know we had we had two coaches leave the league last year so two new coaches coming in yep. and the the two rosters that were left over i think was was a tale of two different rosters so my old roster yeah. was pretty well i mean you know not to brag uh my roster looked a lot better than my my standings did last year uh, versus Kenzie yes. Allback's team that you took over, really, uh, it, we were struggling with that one. Uh, you know, Tony and I were looking at who you were potentially going to keep, and there weren't a whole lot of names that came up. Um, so, how did you feel about that roster you inherited? Um, not terrible. Um, it was funny. Uh, Steve Steve initially sent me both rosters. I picked my brain on which one I'd be interested in taking over, and naturally I, I chose yours initially. And he said, "No, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the other one." Um, so <laughs> we took over the other one, and I'm um, looking through the draft history. I'm looking at it, and uh, Lashawn McCoy per forty dollars. Time will tell. Um, but just Darren Bevel in, in Detroit. And this this goes back to the Matt Stafford trade as well. He runs the ball, man. He's coming over from Seattle where it's it's run, run, run. And um, my trade of Matt Stafford was more about the scheme than it was hating Matt Stafford. And carry on's going to absorb those pass-catching duties as well. And um, I'm excited to keep him. I'm excited to see what he does. And um, Mike Evans, man, the same deal. Bruce Arians is in town in Tampa, and uh, he airs it out. And um, I'm hoping Mike Evans scores touch- 10 touchdowns and – you know, gets up to over 1,200 yards, I'll be happy with those two as a, as a start. So I did have to pay for Mike Evans a little bit. You know, I don't have a cheap keeper, so to speak, um, but uh, that's okay. I got a wide receiver one and hopefully a running back, you know, 1B, so to speak, and, and we can go from there. Yeah, I think you have two solid keepers for sure. I think Mike Evans is probably going to go for that in the draft anyway, or maybe a little bit more. Um, he's kind of hovered around that $40 range most years, and he yep. keeps – Seeming to get thrown back in from time to time. Um, so that's probably a good one there. And then carry on Johnson, you're right, there's tons of potential there. Um, but they, they probably shouldn't trust Matthew Stafford to throw the ball too much. So they're going to have to turn around and give it to him. And I think that's what Patricia and, like you said, Daryl Bevel, they want to do. They want to run the ball there. So, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think those two picks were probably no-brainers. 
No, no I, I think your Matthew Stafford trade was kind of about getting a first round pick and a better quarterback back, though, as well. <laughs> oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. I'm into Josh Allen's arm strength. I, you know, it's a pretty conservative offense, and he's a young quarterback, and that's a good step in in a dynasty league. For that, I'm excited about that. I'm already looking at Jerry Judy and some other guys for next year for for those early first round dynasty picks. So. Yeah, I think that pick's going to be pretty high, too. So that was, that was a good call on I your did. part. I don't I like did. that guy's roster one bit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And if, if uh, something goes wrong with Allen, I'll be looking at, you know, Tua or Justin Herbert, you know, pretty easily. I'm thinking top four, top five picks pretty conservatively, and then I'll have a second first-rounder to, you know, take a chance with. So, so Charlie, shifting gears a bit here, uh, you know, what is your strategy coming into the draft? Is this, uh, you know, I think you've mentioned before, this won't be your first auction draft. Um, so what's your strategy coming in? Um, it's multifaceted. First and foremost, you know, I feel like I have a good base with carry on and Mike Evans, but I really want to continue to add depth. Um, you know, my wide receivers and my skill position players, wide receivers, running backs, um, you never know what can happen with injury, um, but I definitely want to have some more high-end um, talent that I can throw in my starting lineup every week. Um, I'll definitely – I'm not scared to say that. Um, there's so much value to be had with later rounds, so to speak, lower lower expense. That will be kind of my theory. Um, but it's all about depth and adding a few more high-end players. So, um, you know, and the other thing is, too, just staying engaged the entire draft um, and kind of – sticking my neck out even with the dollar to five dollar players because you know teams like steve you know he's got incredible deals on his keepers um those players you know if they turn out to be a star at the end of the year and i can keep them for you know a great deal next year that will save my team you know in auctions to come it'll open up salary cap and so just kind of knowing that i'm building and just kind of keeping the long-term play um you know in the forefront of my head is is important as well so, so do you plan on being a little more active at a certain position, or are you just kind of letting it come to you and see where the draft's going as far as where you're going to spend big money at? Yeah, I definitely know that I'm going to spend money with the skill positions, um, and I def I don't think you know, given the nature, you know, teams by and large are you know two to three keepers, to, you know, they're skill guys. I think one person may have kept the quarterback. There's going to be a fair amount of aggression. You know, if a guy comes across the board, um, I'm going to chase value um, and I'm going to chase depth. So I don't want to overpay um, for one or two guys. I'd rather have, you know, three or four, you know, solid values, um, you know, in the 20 to $30 range than, you know, diving up and getting 50 to $60 in for, you know, one top end talent. So that's kind of my general play in the auction is um, chase value. If it's a good deal, go for it. I don't want to marry myself to anyone before. Um, I got my tiers made up on who I feel is a tier one player, a tier two player. Um, if I can, if I can add three guys that are tier one or tier two, and then just make sure that I've got depth, I've got my handcuffs. Um, I'll be set. I'll be ready to go. So I think I'll compete this year and, um, have an eye on, you know, 
retaining that in the future, you know, make sure that, you know, I'm in on, you know, whoever this year's Calvin Ridley is, whoever this year's DJ Moore is, those guys who last year in the auction, they're going for one to five dollars. Um, I definitely want to have an eye out for those guys as well. So really trying to familiarize myself with um, the coaching changes. Um, it's real easy to, you know, love a name of a player, uh, love the past results of a player, but I definitely want to know, um, is this a pass first system? Is this a run first system? Um, you know, what, what's going on with the scheme? Is this team going to be playing from behind? Um, are they going to be throwing a lot? Are they going to be playing from ahead? Are they gonna be, that all goes into my uh, kind of evaluation when I'm uh, giving myself more chance not to swing and miss because I was listening to a stat the other day, and, um, you know, I think out of the top 24 players, it's about a 50% success rate if they finish the year in the top 24 um, fantasy producers. So, you know, there's a high chance of swing and miss. So it's all about depth and it's all about um, setting yourself up with, hey, what's the system like? What's the, what's the context of this team's um, situation like? For instance, you know, LaShawn McCoy last year, um, you know, even, even a guy like Josh Jacobs this year, I don't mind throwing this out there. It's a 10-team league. So I love Josh Jacobs. I love his talent in Oakland. Um, he's going to be the every down bell cow back. But you know, Oakland, they're in a division with Kansas City, Los Angeles, and Denver. Those are three good teams, and I, I feel like they're going to be playing from behind a lot. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. That means they're going to have Jalen Richard out there, the third down back, and he's going to get a lot of junk time. And, um, you know, I just don't feel like that's conducive this year to the reliability I'm looking for. I want, you know, I'm entering a league. I need guys I can count on. Carry on is already a little bit of a wild card. Definitely need a running back one who's going to be ahead. Um, you know, they need to be ground and pound. They need to be a team that with a great defense who's going to be ahead in the ballgame. So. That's really interesting. And heading into this draft, um, you know, some of the bigger running back names that are out there are ones that have some major question marks with them. Melvin yep. Gordon with Ezekiel Elliott. How, how likely would you be to take on a type of risk if it means spending more money like that? Or would you try and stay away? Um, I'm more attracted to those guys now. Um, than I would be before because, um, you know, with that out status, it, it creates more opportunity for value, right? Um, you know, those, you're looking at $50, $60 for those guys if, if all else is normal. Um, but at this point, it's such a big question mark that a guy like me, um, new to the league, I need to make a little noise. And if you can steal a guy away in that range and they're 40 bucks, and, you know, you're – you're, you're getting Ezekiel Elliott for 45 bucks and not 65 bucks. That can really give you an edge if you back it in week two. So, um, you know, I'm not out, and that just kind of kind of goes by a case by case scenario. And that's why I talk about you know kind of feeling out the climate of the league, like how aggressive are guys being, because um, you never know when that deal is going to come across the board. Um, everybody values players a little bit differently, and. Um, if someone's up there for a good deal, you got to take it in an auction because it might not come again, especially when keepers are already established. I was looking at your roster, and I think it was Kamara and, and uh, Aaron Jones, and it's like, man, um, you know, I got on Johnson. I would take Jones and Kamara, obviously, over both over um, on. Just forget the talent level. Um, Kamara's an obvious, but Aaron Jones is on the Packers. They're going to score a lot. Um, they're going to be ahead. They have to run. Um, so I like that situation. Um, and so a guy like me, I need to get a Zeke Elliott if he's a good deal. I need to get a Melvin Gordon and just make sure I handcuff him if he's a good deal. 
Um, do I want those guys? Am I necessarily targeting them? No, but it's just if it's value, I got to take it at all at all opportunities. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people in that boat too. Come draft day, where maybe they're not so much targeting them, but if they hit the right price point for them, everybody could possibly get involved. So that's going to be one of the major stories as we go into a draft preview episode and everything. As far as looking, you know, where are these guys with question marks going to go? These two, Antonio Brown, you know, the guys that have been in the in the news quite a bit. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see where people value them from a dollar standpoint. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. Um, it, it will be interesting, and um, that's why you just you, nothing's firm in an auction. If it's a draft, it's a little different. I mean, it's hard to spend a first round pick. You only get one first round pick, right? But in an auction, man, you can spend forty bucks on two guys. You know, maybe maybe three if you're a little more aggressive. So, um, you know, in an auction, you can't marry yourself to any strategy. You know, so Charlie, one of the things that I'm I'm curious about because you we've talked about uh, your dynasty league before, and you know with that the you're really looking to draft rookies. So you know in the in the doing your homework for that league, you know you know a lot about the rookies coming in, whereas I think that sets you apart from a lot of the other competitors in this league. So how do you think that that translates into this league, um, where it's not the dynasty style? But uh, you generally are going to be able to get great value if you can predict those rook- that rookie success. I think it's a double-edged sword. Um, I'll start with the negative. Um, you get so caught up in um, the potential, right? And, um, you know, I'm, you're talking about a 16-team league where all you're doing is drafting rookies every year. So people are fighting for draft picks, and, um, you know, the only draft picks you're getting are, you know, 21 22 year old kids who are learning a system and you know most of those guys 90 percent of those guys are going to be firmly on your bench for the next year or two um if you're lucky um you know 20 percent of those guys 25 percent of those guys will work out and you'll actually hang on to them and they'll be a starter um three four years down the road so it's an interesting strategy um i love it i love getting into the scouting side of it um but at the same time when you're in a 10 team um league uh, with high-level players, you're, you've got to make the call of, you know, not what could be, but what is. You know, what's going to happen this year? This year, if one or two of those guys work out, you have two $2 keepers who are top 10 players. And um, so that's where it could really come in and, and, um, and help you. Um, it could also hurt you because you, you get caught up in, okay, this guy has all the talent to be a 1,000-yard rusher, score 12 touchdowns, um, you know, but – for instance, a guy I love is Justice Hill. That's that's like my guy. I fell in love with Justice Hill this year in Baltimore. Um, personally, um, I get into this in, in a little bit as this rookie conversation goes on. Um, he's Alvin Kamara physically, 4-4 runner, 40-inch vertical, underused in college, not a lot of usage, so his legs are fresh. Um, you know, but in Baltimore, you have Lamar Jackson, who's basically a running back. You have Mark Ingram above him. You have Gus Edwards, who played last year. So I could fall in love with Justice Hill all I want, but it's going to be more important for me to make a call like who's going to have more success, David Montgomery or Josh Jacobs, as it is to really stick my neck out and waste a roster spot on a guy like Justice Hill first four weeks of the season when, hey, we don't know. I mean, Mark Ingram's a proven commodity. Lamar Jackson's a running back 1B. Um, so it's a double-edged sword. So with that, who 
just just following up with that, who would you have as your rookies of the year this year? Um, rookies of the year. So um, I got a couple guys, and I went bold with this. So start defensively. I'm going Brian Burns in Carolina. Uh, Julius Peppers retired. I'm a Panthers fan, so I'm being a homer. Um, you know, obviously Devin Bush is in a great situation in Pittsburgh. Devin White's in a great position in uh, Tampa Bay. But Brian Burns is just going to step in off the edge. He's got the best middle linebacker in football next to him and Luke Keekley calling all the pre-snap calls, predicting where the defense is going to go. Um, the line's not going to be able to keep up with both of those guys. I got Brian Burns, double-digit sacks, rookie of the year on the defensive, defensive side. The guy's a freak. Uh, does the Spider-Man move when he does a sack. You guys are going to love him. It's great. Um, <laughs> offensively, offensively, it was a toss-up. I got Justice Hill winning it if he ends up taking the starting position. I think Justice Hill could literally – Mark Ingram might be in the same position in Baltimore that he was in New Orleans with, with Alvin Kamara coming in, kind of as an unheralded mid-round rookie. Um, but the guy can catch the ball. Um, he's more explosive than Ingram. I think they're going to run the ball a ton, so there's enough there's enough meat on the bones there for him to get his work in. Um, I love Justice Hill. I also love Debo Samuel in San Francisco. Um, I don't think a wide receiver is going to win Rookie of the Year, but, man, Kyle Shanahan, what he did in Atlanta with Julio um, and Sanu back in the day, I, I think Debo is going to be a pretty explosive player out there um, for San Francisco. So it was tough. Um, the more traditional pick for me would have been uh, David Montgomery in Chicago, um, but I tried to go pretty bold. I think Montgomery is going to have a good year because Chicago's defense is just incredible. Um, I don't think he's as talented as Josh Jacobs, but I think his situation is better. You stole my defensive one, man. I was going to go with Brian Burns. And it's it's just like you stole him out you from were? under me in the actual draft, too. So <laughs> when we were drafting. <laughs> we had an I absolute battle. That. We had an absolute battle, man. Uh, it was, I don't know how much time we have to get into that, but uh, Tony, Tony took uh, Deontay Johnson my guys I, mean, I think we both are on board that he could easily pass that was that was a battle i think we also were in the running together for Justice hill and um who's the other guy my first uh, well, I, I badly wanted paris campbell in the first round but i couldn't get up paris to get campbell, him paris campbell. yeah paris campbell who also absolutely love paris campbell in indianapolis yeah, yeah, Campbell will be up there for me if I can be if I can trust that Andrew Luck's going to be healthy. But I, right now, I'm just not really sure what's going on there. Um, yeah. So to, to change things up, if I had to name a defensive one, I'll go I'll go with the one out left field. I'll go Darnell Savage in Green Bay. Like I think that. he's a really good safety candidate there. I think he's going to fit well in Mike Pettin's scheme. He's had some injury concerns already, but he was really making some noise back in many camps, picking up the defense quickly, getting people set, playing aggressively. I think he's the uh, the rangy uh, center fielder that they, that Pettin really needs in that defense, and I think he could really shine and create a lot of turnovers in that defense there. Um, Offensively, I'm having a I'm having a hard time coming off of David Montgomery just because where the volume's going to be there. But if I had to think outside the box in that one, I think I would go Darwin Thompson from uh, Kansas City. I think there's going to be a a pretty big opportunity there for him. Uh, I'm not real convinced Damian Williams is a bell cow running back. So if you could see Darwin Thompson start stealing some reps from him, same way Kareem Hunt 
kind of did when he started, I think he could end up getting a lot of carries there. So uh, that's just me trying to think outside the box there. So, Charlie, speaking of rookie of the year, uh, you know, we had Vince Gorgonzola on and he uh, he was making a strong case of why he thinks he he thinks that he can be rookie of the year. Uh, but I think a lot of his his strategy was banking on you not knowing what you were doing when it comes to fantasy football. So I'll, I'll flip it over to you. What do you think you have to do uh, to beat out Vince for rookie of the year in the league this year? It's a tough question. Um, I'd be lying if I told you I knew what I was up against, but uh, I'll definitely be prepared. Um, I'll definitely be making moves. Um, as you guys can tell, I'm not afraid to pull off a big trade. If someone's a, uh, you know, not fully on their guard, might lose a first round pick or, you know, might lose a running back too. Who knows? But um, just going to come into the draft with uh, my best strategy and uh, I think it'll work out well for me. So I don't know. I don't know on the rookie of the year thing, but we'll see. Well, we have, we have week six and week nine circled on our calendars when you and Vince will be going up against each other, uh, rookie versus rookie to see how it goes. I'll make sure to draft accordingly. I'm not going to be uh, having any bye players on those weeks. So. Excellent. That's good preparation right there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, lastly there, Charlie, we're going to ask you the same question you've been asking everybody, and that is our ACT penalty. Uh, so we've had, this will be the third year now that we've ha- had a penalty in this league. The first two years, it was the ACT, but neither coach took it. Uh, so we have a couple options available to vote on. One is to do the traditional ACT, uh, you know, go to a high school, take the take the test with all the 17, 16 year olds. Uh, we have the what we're calling the Reedy Amendment, where we can take the ACT in a bar or house party. Uh, and then lastly, Coach Kevin Hulick brought up doing an open mic night uh, stand up comedy. So those are the three we have to choose from. Uh, Charlie, which uh, which way are you thinking there? Uh, I love all three ideas. I love the energy. I love having uh, high stakes. Um, but I'm going to go with the open mic night, stand-up comedy. I feel like uh, I've already been about a, as humiliated as I can be on standardized tests. Um, but open mic night at a comedy club, I don't know. That'd be pretty hard to match. So um, public speaking uh trying to be funny man I, I just think that would be priceless so would you be able to be better on the open mic than steve would i be able to do better on the open mic than steve oh man that's pretty bad because both of us have pretty dry sense of humor so um neither of us would be a good fit let's just let's just say that we both would have a tough time up there <laughs> equally bad yeah so I will say though, so Charlie gave a speech at uh, at Steve's um, rehearsal dinner, and it was very good. It was well thought, well spoken. Uh, so I think I, my prediction, if we're putting Charlie and Steve against each other, uh, that's not a competition. Charlie's going to win that every time. <laughs> well, hopefully we don't have to find out, um, but you know, you never know. So all these strategies could backfire on me, and I could be uh, standing at a comic comedy club in a few months and uh man let's just hope that doesn't go viral (laughs) it will definitely be podcast content i can guarantee you that (laughs) no doubt oh man 
good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, Charlie, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Uh, good luck to you for the draft, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. Sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Charlie. I'll see you week one. Great stuff there from Charlie Thurber. Uh, unfortunately, Charlie traveling from Houston to Phoenix, so uh, pardon us for the rough audio connection, but I think we were still able to to discover, if nothing else, Charlie knows a lot about uh, fantasy football and about these NFL guys. Yeah, I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with coming into this league, and it was a uh... It's fun to get some of his strategy there. Uh, also, to, you know, hear some of his strategy in this league, but for uh, some of his other leagues that he's in, some of the dynasty leagues, some of the snake draft leagues, he's kind of got a little bit of everything from him there. Um, got some nice, nice digs at Steve in there. Um, that, was, that, was, that was a solid interview with Charlie. I think that was a good introduction for him into our league. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and uh, I, I kind of teased it in the intro to Charlie coming on, but, you know, Vince called him out a little bit about a rookie of the year competition. And, you know, he's like, hey, I don't, I don't know, Charlie. I assume he doesn't know anything about fantasy football. Oh, Vince, you are in trouble, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Vince inherited the better uh, roster, the better group of keepers, but uh, I don't think there's a big gap there for Charlie to close. And if he does on draft day, Vince is going to have to watch out for him there. Yeah. Should be, should be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really curious to see with, with Charlie, with his knowledge of the rookies with these guys that are more of the traditional sleeper picks. Uh, I I'm curious to see what he does in the waiver wire because I think he's going to be able to jump on those guys before our, a lot of our league even knows who they are. Yeah. Yeah. The dynasty league um, knowledge that he has is going to come in handy for that. He's having an idea who these guys are before we even anybody else even sees them. So big advantage for him. Um, as long as he can, grab them before they blow up during a certain week. He's got a good chance of stealing some really solid sleepers. Most definitely. So a reminder to everyone, the draft is Monday, August 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure you get your dues into Joe Reedy before draft day. And catch us next time. We're going to have a draft pre-show where Tony and I will tell you everything you need to know going into the draft. Tony, are you ready for that? I am extremely ready for that. Let's do it. No more no more coaches shows, no more talking about keepers, no more talking draft strategy. We're getting into the real thing now. No more Matthew Stafford. <laughs> bye Thank bye you. Stafford. Thank God for that. On behalf of the Fortune 500 League, he's Tony Perenni. I'm Derek Frost. Get your big boards ready. Draft day is right around the corner. We'll catch you next time.